everyone, and welcome to episode 78 of the App Advice Weekly Podcast. This is your host, Trevor Sheridan of AppAdvice.com, and joining me as usual is my co-host, Brett Nolan of AppAddict.net. Join us this week as we focus our new eyes on the App Store to run through Nightmares. How are you doing today, Brett? I'm doing pretty good. I got my eyes focused and uh, looking around myself to avoid those nightmares. Yep. And there's some fun stuff this week to play through, but before we get there, there is some Apple news, which is more kind of industry news in that Netflix is reportedly looking at testing out not using the iPad and iOS app for new subscriptions to kind of circumvent Apple's 30% cut. So right now, if new subscribers join Netflix, Apple gets 30% the first year and then 15% each preceding year. And so Netflix is looking to kind of do away with that in a similar way that Amazon's done with both books and audiobooks. Essentially, for Amazon, they remove the ability entirely to buy anything, so you can't get any cut whatsoever. And so Netflix is going to test it out in 33 different territories. None of those are the U.S., but we'll see how that kind of plays out for the App Store Apple going forward. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting. It's we're only hearing this about this with these big companies because obviously they have other means for getting people to pay for their services and not have to give out like a percentage of that money to Apple for essentially nothing. Like these services could survive on their own. They only have just added them to the iPad and iOS because they want people to be able to view the content from or listen to the content from these devices. It makes really no sense that Apple should be taking any of the money from these things, but I, I'm kind of happy to see them, especially where Apple last week got rid of only our, our money from pointing people to the App Store. Why not let these companies keep all their money as well, and Apple can start to lose this revenue that they were getting for doing nothing? And I don't know. I'm, I'm happy with this. Well, I think it's because I remember back in April of 2010, the iPad version of Netflix, you know, when the iPad first launched, that was a big deal. And I think that Netflix got new users through that way or by that means. I think now people have either decided they're going with Netflix or not going with Netflix. I don't know how many new people are joining the Netflix ecosystem, especially with their quarterly earnings show that growth is not at where they kind of wanted it to be quarter after quarter. So if growth isn't there, I don't know if Netflix is smart to kind of hurt that potential opportunity. But again, I think a lot of people use the iPad as a viewer. I don't think, oh, I'm going to join Netflix for the first time thanks to this iPad app. I think that might have been the case eight years ago, but today I think that's not the case. Well, I think what they're doing is they're actually just redirecting people to their website to do it. They're not actually not allowing them to sign up or not allowing them to pay. It's just going ahead and bypassing them doing it through the app itself and redirecting you to the website, which they don't have to pay Apple for. So they're still getting people there. And plus, Verizon, I believe, has that whole deal where they're including Netflix in some of their their subscription. I thought it was Verizon. Maybe it's T-Mobile. One of them yeah, has like free has free access to to Netflix. And yeah, I don't know how many people are actually signing up for Netflix through a mobile device, but most people have accounts or are getting it some other way or subscribing 
Heck, a lot. I just read an article about millennials and half of them share their passwords with each other. So there's like these companies like Netflix are losing millions upon millions of dollars just in people sharing their passwords. So for them to be able to keep some of their money and continue providing us with uh, the content that we love on Netflix, I'm fine with this. But if all these companies just start redirecting and not using Apple, then they'll have to rethink of how they do this. I don't think they would force these apps off the App Store because obviously they want viewers and people to download these apps and stay on their devices. So I think Apple is kind of between a rock and a hard place and they've got to let these companies do what they're going to do to get around this. Yeah, I, a lot of companies I think are pushing towards that way of come join our app, but here's the web link to subscribe because the really big one who made a big deal about it was Amazon Prime. You know, it took forever for the app to actually come and then the Apple TV app took even that much longer and I got to imagine it wasn't because the app took time to develop but it was the back end Amazon negotiating with Apple about the percentage cut and so maybe Netflix does this to try to get that Amazon deal. You know, a little tiny company or even a company that's not the size of Amazon or Netflix is going to have a hard time convincing Apple to do anything, but Netflix is big enough to kind of not maybe dictate terms, but to at least tell Apple, this is what we're going to do unless you come up with a better deal for us. Right. Yeah. I think they have the, the power to do something about it where, like you said, a little guy is not going to be able to do it. They're, they're going to live or die by Apple pushing their traffic to their app and, at least Netflix has a choice, and I don't know, I'm curious to see how this this test thing goes, and then if it how quickly if it does go well, it rolls out to the U.S. market as well. And I do wonder how much Apple makes from Netflix because, like I said, just because you download the Netflix app, it doesn't mean they're getting any money from you viewing content. You have to have subscribed using the app. So I don't know what the percentages are. I'm sure Apple and Netflix both know and if apple sees that it's not worth the hassle maybe they'll just pass it off like fine netflix yeah well one of the articles i read led me to believe this is one of apple's highest grossing apps that it they're making a ton of money off this app right now just with these netflix subscriptions i can't imagine that's true just from a you know in-person kind of not any like analytical data but just from perception of people mainly using the web to sign up or already having existing accounts rather than joining and then you think of other apps on the app store where it's more recurring costs where it might be like candy crush where you can rack up money same with clash of clans you can rack up money really quick at most you're paying netflix 10.99 a month or whatever apple's taking 30 percent of that and then if Netflix has millions of users, say hundreds of thousands are through the app, I guess it does add up. But I think Apple's offloaded their revenue making so much so that I don't know if it is going to be that big of an impact. Because the App Store is their main growth sector. And if the App Store is making, you know, we've paid out $4 billion to developers. How big of a percentage is Netflix of that? Right. Well, I'm wondering if it's these countries where they're doing this test market, if those have larger percentages of people who signed up through an app. I could definitely see that. 
like these countries are specifically targeted. Maybe the U.S. market, you know, we have an opinion that applies to the U.S. market that it doesn't apply to other countries where maybe they do all sign up through the app. Right, right. And and it would make more sense if maybe they this is the way that a lot of people were doing it. And let's try it here first because this will recoup the most amount of our money. Yep. So if Netflix is able to kind of this test goes well, like you said, it'll be interesting to see if other, you know, similar kind of subscription based services jump on board. Yep. And so that's pretty much the Apple news of the week. It's really kind of interesting the way Apple is working on their own kind of TV show streaming service, but they're still reliant on having their devices offer what else other people are watching and they have to delicately balance the two. Right. I mean, we see this with the consoles. We see this with all these others. So everyone has to support everyone else, but then also they're working on their own thing and you can't alienate a huge percentage of your people just to have your own streaming service or your own service and not support everything else that's out there yep so now apple's joining that fun or continuing that fun (laughs) yeah so (laughs) the app store has plenty of other services available and one such is daily focus by creative live it's essentially a photography service that offers daily tips kind of little tutorials or even like lessons like you know school-based lessons where there's the instructor up on stage and he's going over tips like today's was all about shutter speeds and how big of an impact that can have and it's really interesting because the app focus the app is on the iphone iphone has a great camera but then it's essentially focusing on dslr tips like there's a bunch of manual camera apps but i'm sure a large percentage of people who are taking pictures on their iPhone are using the stock camera app where you're not going to have shutter speed control. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, I guess you would have this side by side and you'd be using your DSLR and you'd be watching this at the same time to get the tips. I did see that they do have some uh, tips for like taking pictures with an iPhone or in some of the more general things like how to kind of set up a group photo shot and it's not necessarily technical things it's more of a this is an overall photography tip the interesting thing about this app in particular is there's a daily tip a daily thing you can watch you can't watch anything from the previous day. You can see a list of what was on the previous day. You can see what's coming up on the next day, but you can only watch the content from the current day. Otherwise, you have to go... They kind of push you to their other app, which is like a... It's not a subscription service. You're basically buying particular lessons. You're purchasing, I want this lesson that teaches me how to set up a group photo shot and it's this many parts it's this much money i can purchase the whole thing if i missed that one daily tip which is basically a small segment of this larger lesson yeah it is really interesting that you can't jump around through the calendar so if you download it today you can't watch any past programs they've put on until they put it up again for that particular day you can only watch the current day and then you have to wait so you can see the whole calendar list of what's upcoming but you have to wait for those future projects as well and then the app continually pushes you to the creative live online classes app which includes photography 
as one of the options, but also a bunch of different other choices. Like you might have a program about entrepreneurship or become a more confident public speaker. So essentially, this is like an ad that's focused on photography to then bring you into creative labs or creative live of all the other different things that they offer. Yeah, I mean, I found that kind of annoying. I, I wish they would at least let you view the last couple of days, like anything that's listed in the calendar for the week, at least let you go back and watch. You might be more likely to purchase a thing if you can watch this little segment and you want to learn more. It, I see, it seems short-sighted. Like, they think by you not being able to see this one little thing, then you're going to be more likely to purchase it. But if you don't even have a teaser to see what it's even like, I'm not spending $90 on a course or... 20, the the prices vary tremendously. Some were 29, some were 90, some were 75. They're all over the place. But they say it's to maintain a daily focus. But I think it's to try to drive up interest in purchasing, maybe? It doesn't seem to make any sense. Like, why not let you see the days you might have missed in the current week? I don't know. It It seemed kind of dumb to me, but I guess that's the way they're going with it. Yeah, the photography starter kit is fifty nine ninety nine. in case you are interested. So if those dailies don't cut it for you, you can always drop 60 bucks. Or if that one single daily gets you like, oh, I need all of these little photography tips, well, then you know where to go. Right. Well, the first time you load up the actual full Creative Live app, they give you a choice of one of five things that you can get for free. Uh, so you can choose one of these five things. They're all photo-related when I loaded it up. And I chose one of them because it was the most expensive, which happened to be that group, how to set up a group photo shot. I should have probably gone for the one, how to take better pictures with your iPhone X, but uh, I didn't do that. But uh, I don't know. It it seems like it's more of an adverto- advertising tool than an actual app of any use, but... I guess it's free, so you can check it out, but don't expect too much. Yep, so Daily Focus, ad for Creative Live, the whole all-encompassing educational tips that originates from photography tips. Yep. And so that means it's time for some new games. And the first one this week is Bendy in Nightmare Run, which is not a port, but rather an extension of the console Steam release. So this is a focused endless runner of Bendy. So it has that familiar kind of throwback black and white animated art style. And then you have an endless runner where Bendy's running into the screen rather than the temple run running away from the screen. But it's that lane based 3D endless runner. You swipe left and right to jump between lanes and then you swipe up to jump. And the game focuses primarily on boss battles so usually endless runners are specifically endless in mind but this is more of a kind of a platformer runner where there's a specific end point to reach essentially you have a big boss coming at you and they have 30 health so you get to pick up hammers and stones and bricks and axes and then you can tap to throw them behind you hit the big boss and once you deplete the boss's HP you complete the level no matter how long you know you could run for a thousand meters two thousand five thousand meters however long it takes to defeat the boss so you're not actually running a certain distance you're staying alive for as long as you can to defeat the bosses and then you have specific level designs boss battles 
and just an actual structure to play through to keep you going, coming back, rather than the endless fare. Yeah, so, I mean, immediately the first thing that appealed to me was that whole 1930s black-and-white cartoon style, kind of like what you see in Cuphead, where it just looks like you're basically inside of this cartoon. And then I really like that whole... It's not just an endless runner, because at this point, I am pretty darn sick of endless runners, where you have this kind of level, beat the boss, and it ends, is excellent. I think this is how more of these need to be, so it's not just, because eventually you just get sick and tired of playing the stupid game, and you want to do something else, where at least this, you have an end, you, you beat the boss, and then you unlock a new level where now they've changed things around, the level design slightly different, you have new kind of enemies that are going after you that aren't necessarily the boss, but there's new obstacles, new things that can attack you while you're running, there are things that will get in your way, and now you have to switch lanes more often, but it's just keeps things interesting right from the start. You never have that immediate burnout like you do with Endless Runner because you know there's an end, you know how to progress, you know how to get to something new, and you just have to stay alive long enough to do it. And so I, I just found it much more interesting and a nice kind of new way to approach these Endless Runners. It's definitely just a whole... It's like a breath of fresh air. The one yes. kind of uh, problem, I guess, is that Bendy and the Ink Machine, the game it's based on, is a survival horror adventure game, you know, with puzzle and combat sequences mixed in. So this is quite a departure. It's essentially that familiar slap a popular character on an endless runner. But then to design essentially the game from the ground up for iOS is appreciative from the developers to not just say, oh, here's Temple Run with Bendy. It's more, here's kind of what works on iOS. We've played a bunch of iOS games. We think this style really fits with the swipe controls, but then to build into it bendy style with the combat ideas, the boss battles, and different environments to actually get to. Yeah, I never even heard of Bendy before this thing. Like, so I wasn't even familiar with the character. They they try to sell you merchandise, all kinds of stuff, but I, I've never even heard of Bendy. I love the character. I thought it was great. I love the, the how it has that whole 30s feel, but yet it's fresh and new. Uh, so, yeah, I, I had never actually heard of it. So I've never played this other version. It seems like it fits perfectly on, on a mobile style the way they have it. Um, I don't know if I'd feel differently if I was familiar with the, the Meteor game, uh, but... To me, this just works. Yeah. I only know the game from Funko Pops. There's a whole line of Bendy and the Ink Machine, but I never actually <laughs> ended up playing the game. But it fits right on iOS regardless of its predecessor or what's available on console. It nails the iOS platform, and as soon as you finish a level, you actually... So it's going to take a few runs probably to beat a boss because you know it will throw out not just attacks, but little kind of other creatures that are more HP to deal with essentially so after a few runs you'll finally make it through and then you'll want to start the next kind of level because then there's multiple chapters so chapter one is down by the pier and then chapter two you'll have more of a city setting it's different bosses so within a chapter it's a little bit repetitive I did find that 1-1 and 1-2 and 1-3 played very similarly it increases the difficulty essentially but 
once you're running 1500 meters in each of those sections to finally defeat the boss it can get a little monotonous it can it can but i do like how they they add a bunch of things even between world one one and one two there's a bunch of new things you have to deal with and so you have to almost come up with a whole new strategy of how am i going to throw this thing and find a and because basically when you throw the objects behind you they depending on the size of the object they do more or less damage and you have to throw it where there's no other enemies behind you that's going to hit first and then you can also like this big kind of almost like treasure chest with like tentacles coming out of it it's chasing after you but uh it will shoot things at you while you're running but you can move out of the way and it'll take out any other enemies that are kind of in that path of the bullets that are coming so you can use that to your advantage to take out some of those enemies jump back to the spot that's now clear and throw the object back in order so that it hits the the big bad guy instead of maybe taking out a little guy so there's a lot of kind of strategy you have to use but you also have to be quick and very reactionary to things as constantly things are coming out of nowhere in front of you that you may not necessarily see in time and then these these creatures that are coming will catch up to you so i do like how they kind of just keep on piling things on and it forces you to kind of reevaluate and change strategies even between those sub levels yeah, the the little bit of strategy is surprising for this type of game too, where like you said, you can see where the enemy's gonna attack you. Say you're standing in the middle lane, that's where he's gonna attack you. You can swipe away at the last minute, but then that little creature chasing behind you, the big enemy's attack will destroy it. So that helps you clear that one off. So then when you throw something behind you, it doesn't hit one of them and gets to the big boss. So that's just a nice kind of thing to keep things fresh. Yep. And really, it's pretty just well done. It's tough to kind of find problems with this game, which I think is the best kind of review of it. Right, yeah. I mean, I would have thought at this point I'd be saying, Endless Runner, oh, so done. But it is a nice new take and just a modernization of this by adding almost that platformer-type feel to it. And just that perspective idea where, you know, we're so used to the camera behind the character and running into the screen to have it instead coming towards you it's a whole different thing because you kind of want to focus on collecting you know the little cans in the foreground but if you do that you'll kind of get lost at what's happening in the background of what kind of angle what little creatures are coming at you or what lane the enemy's attacking on you so it's all just kind of a shifting your focus and your mind around the different perspective yeah, yeah, you constantly have to be looking everywhere all at once in order to see what's coming behind you, in front of you, or even to the side of you if things are coming as well. Yep, so that's Bendy and Nightmare Run. It's free. It's universal. There are ads to support the game. You also can buy merch within the game to help support the developer. Yep. And then next up is Barbarian with Bear right in the middle of the title. And essentially it's a hack and slash game with large-scale units to defeat. So you play as this guy dressed in a bear costume. You have this big axe to swing around, and you jump into the first world, and there's all these little skeletons. You know, there might be a group of 50 skeletons. So it's that fun, just 
wiping out a big mass of enemies and then you'll have big bosses mixed in with those little enemies so you'll have the little ones kind of down around you with the big one to focus on and then you have a special dash attack and then as you go you'll unlock new abilities like a machine gun that's temporary kind of pickup and then you can also save these little minions from these little tubes and then you can then outfit them as knights or archers and then they can help boost your attack by you know essentially being your little minions battling along but again the core game is just getting your big axe going into a big huge group of enemies and just decimating them yeah i mean this game is chaotic it's chaotic and crazy so there are just i like we've talked about uh wonder blade last week and shack food two weeks ago which were also these hack and slash style games by far, Barbarian has the most enemies on screen of the three of these. Like, it is just swarms of enemies, and they'll come after you. They, they, on, on the, on the enemies, though, some of them will be like ground attack, like knights themselves, or they'll have whole bunches of archers. They'll have various kind of mid-level guys that will come out, and it just constantly, as soon as you're killing them, unless you go and knock out the bases where they're reforming, even more of them are just going to keep on coming, keep on coming. And basically each one of these levels have like three stages to it. So you go in and you have to take out these kind of pseudo bosses that are in there. Once you hit the last one of those, this portal will just open up and suck you in. And even if you try to run away, you'll feel like the gravity pulling at you and it'll suck you in and then you go to the next screen. And then you basically have to fight through three of these screens to get out of there and get your reward. And hopefully while you're in there, you'll save those minions because, like you said, they they help you out. So, like, if you're running low on health, you can kind of get kind of go hide and stand back or keep running away from the enemies. And these guys will keep on fighting for you. And if they die, you can respawn them. Uh, and then they'll come back out and attack for a short period of time. Usually they, they die pretty quickly. But that really that dash attack that you have is to, to go in and get out quickly, do a bunch of damage, take out huge swaths of these bad guys, and hopefully enough of them that you'll then be able to move freely and maybe kind of avoid attack from the bigger guys while you kind of hack away at them. And it's just like so much going on, on the screen at once that you just don't even know where to go sometimes. You just start hitting anything and everything that's moving, and hopefully stuff will be going down. And it's such an interesting idea because we've seen the core idea of a bunch of little enemies to destroy, but they're usually in real-time strategy games like Dawn of Titans or Siege Titan Wars where you have these huge waves of enemies, but it's all RTS-based where you know, you're directing units to take them out. It's never that direct hack and slash control where you have one enemy and just fighting through it all it's a nice kind of genre mashup essentially and it's done so well with even tons of enemies on screen it runs beautifully and you feel like you know you're never kind of out of control it always feels like you can focus on these big groups and cutting them down with the health meter of the big enemies so you always kind of can focus on them because the little enemies essentially one blow and they're down but there's so many of them the sheer number brings the challenge on so it just it's a ton of fun if you like hack and slash games but don't want to just face like one or two enemies at a time that's where this game just absolutely excels 
Right, and plus, I, I love some of the things that the developers chose to do with this. So, within the game, you it supports MFI controllers. I actually haven't tried with the MFI controller. I didn't even feel like I needed it with the game. Aside from maybe the weapon aiming, that's the only thing that really doesn't seem to work as well as I would hope. But... They have ways you can customize all the, the spots for the controls. You can decide wherever you want to put them, the size of them. You can adjust them all. And then you also have difficulty settings where you can adjust like the the how much the loot is worth. You can adjust like the speed of the enemies, the whole speed of the game. And so there's all kinds of things you can set to really customize it to however you want to play. Like if you think it's too hard, you can adjust things down. Or if you want even more of a challenge, which I can't imagine, even mm -hmm. at the default, it's it's good. Uh, and there's just so much that you can keep on doing and it drives you to want to continue going forward to unlock more of these coins to uh, and collect more stuff because the whole place is you can destroy anything on the screen and then you pick up this fruit which kind of acts as or food items which act as the currency which you can then buy upgrades for those minions or unlock additional types of weapons or even like there's spots where you can heal yourself mid-battle in order to uh basically hopefully survive that whole wave and move to the next one even if you do die they have this great system in there where i think you give up a third of your existing coins and then you pretty much hold Hold on to everything you collected and you can continue so like if you rescued a minion that minion's rescued even if you have to go back to the main screen you're that you don't have to rescue that guy again and you just lose a third of your your coins and you're good to go even if you have none you're fine so uh it's a really forgiving system and i think they've done an amazing job of really kind of allowing the user to customize anything and everything to make it the most enjoyable experience that you can get yeah, exactly. The customization sure helps. And then just the ability to interact with almost every object on screen, you know, to earn some type of fruit. And then every time you enter a portal and then beat a level and come back, it seems like there's a subtle storyline to actually add more instead of, you know, you're not just kind of going in, destroy everything, and then go on to the next level. There's actual reason to it, especially when you start with the premise of being a guy dressed in a bear costume. And they kind of... <laughs> build off that there's some funny little pieces because you can there's essentially this one main character you talk to each time you go back to the home base and that has a little bit of comedy in it and just again going back to the idea art of war red dawn was a game that i really liked with rts but it's essentially you know there's a hundred enemies on screen all you have to do is tap one of your units to send it out you know oh here let me send my group of archers or let me send my group of knights and that's it you know you have a little bar and you tap on one of the sections this game has the same exact idea but puts you right in the thick of things so you're that one guy taking on everything rather than remove tapping buttons on a little bar to send in units and then watch them do the battle Right, right. You're not like the overlord just commanding troops into battle. You are the grunt on the screen attacking everything. So, yeah, it's much more interactive. It's much more visceral because you're in there swinging like crazy and trying to survive. Yep, this game's a ton of fun. It's Barbarian, and it is $8.99. It's universal, so it's definitely a premium price point. But for the amount of attention to detail... 
and just the fun they deliver. You can't say and just oh, the scale of the game too. Yeah, because you know nine dollars is a tough sell on the App Store, but I mean if this game was on Steam, people would absolutely love it. So essentially, you're paying nine dollars for a good game, regardless of the platform that it's on. Yeah, it's I think it's fifteen bucks on Steam, so you're getting a you're getting a bargain. Yep. So that's again Barbarian Bear is right in the middle of the title if you're spelling it out, and then there's Harvey's New Eyes, which comes from Dadalic Entertainment. They've They've published a bunch of really deluxe games on iOS, and this kind of fits right in it. It's a point-and-click adventure game, really classic in style. I first saw this game at GDC, I want to say 2016, and it's finally made its way available on the App Store. And essentially, you play as this little girl, Lily, and there's this whole narrator that is directly tied into your action. So there's this really ornate dialogue tree where almost everything that you tap on is going to generate some kind of response from the narrator or characters. And even that the characters that Lily interacts with, the narrator adds his own little two cents to it. So it gives you kind of more incentive for tapping around and exploring everything because it's going to come with a lot of story. I know just from the first you know bit of this game that there is tons and tons of dialogue in this game. I mean, I'm sure if you wrote it out into a book, it's kind of like that cat game where they said it was longer than Harry Potter and the Order of Phoenix. I could see same kind of idea with this game. Yeah, I, the narrator is the most amazing thing in this game. I love the narrator. He is like so, he's sarcastic and humorous and he just makes everything so entertaining as you're playing through the game. And it, I played through a, a, a number of uh, Data Lake's other titles as well. I did not play, I guess this is a sequel to Edna and Harvey The Breakout, which I don't think I ever actually played. But their game, there's so much polish on their point-and-click adventure games, and they're so rich with story and just voice acting and so well-made. And one of the really unique things with this game, which I don't remember in any of their other games, is the way they do the whole dialogue and interaction where they don't have you selecting from various text options where you're not choosing like this one may say or this is what I want to ask about instead you use like these little they have symbols for each thing so if you want to ask a character about a certain object or a certain place there's like a little symbol on the screen that you select in the dialogue choices and you say I want to ask him about this or I want to ask him about this character so you know exactly you don't have to remember a character name you don't have to remember anything you just see the picture and you're like oh that's that character yeah I want to ask him about that and so it makes it removes a lot of that requirements of remembering names or remembering things or items and it kind of really simplifies things and but there's still rich long dialogue trees to go through it's just a, a much simpler kind of refined interface that they're using. And I, I, I really liked it. I, I kind of, uh, it's kind of ingenious the way they, they do it for this game. Yeah, it's uh, much because I think it fits with the character. You know, you're playing as this little girl rather than, you know, adults talking. So it's much easier kind of to get your point across because Lily's the only character that's no actual voice work. So the entire game includes a bunch of text but you don't have to just read it. There's all voice work performed for everything, so that's a definite benefit. 
And then that cat game I mentioned, it's called Perfect Date, in case you were wondering. It just <laughs> slipped my tongue. But it has, uh, if you kind of just really like dialogue-based games, this one takes it just out of the park for great, enjoyable dialogue. And then the actual point-and-click adventure game, like I said at the top, it's classically inspired. So, you know, you'll grab your rake from your inventory and drag it around to different items to see what you can interact with. And then, of course, there's dialogue based on, oh, the rake doesn't work with this or, you know, whatever the case may be. And you get to... And the game only gives you a few scenes at a time, so there's not like a hundred scenes to kind of travel between to get things together. So that way, there's more of a focus. Okay, I can see how pieces here fit over the scene here and then back over the scene here rather than, oh, do I have to travel on the map to a completely different location? It's all kind of focused as you go from chapter to chapter. It doesn't kind of expand too much. Yeah, yeah. And the the only thing I would complain about... So far, I have not finished it. I mean, it's it's a long game, but um, is there's this whole cinematic opening title sequence, which <laughs> feels like you're watching a movie, but they don't let you skip it for some reason. If you tap the screen to try to bring up like a skip button, like normally you could double tap a screen and like it would say skip intro or something. No, this thing, it just pauses it and then you tap and it unpauses it. And it forces you to watch this whole cinematic opening, which it's nice music and it kind of feels like you're watching a movie, but they really need to have a way to skip it. It's, I think it was probably a minute and a half to two minutes, or at least it felt that long. I don't know. But that was the only odd thing about it. And I don't know if they just wanted you to like really know the whole cast and really make sure you see who all the people involved. But it was kind of weird, but... Uh, other than that, like I love the fact that there is so much voice work in this game that it just makes it feel like that much richer and entertaining just because it's so well done as well. I thought it was just me about that intro. Like I was trying the double tap thing. I was doing all kinds of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. I couldn't uh, find a way. Maybe there's a way. Yeah, but that that intro is definitely one to get through but once you do get through it there's an enjoyable game to get through so if you're kind of even a remote fan of point and click adventure games or if you've been just like storytelling regardless of the gameplay there's a really ornate story with actually developed characters through the voice work and the dialogue and then the narrator brings it all together yep so that's harvey's new eyes it's 4.99 it's universal and then there's thunder dogs which is a top-down aerial combat game that emphasizes online pl- platformer game or pl- uh, multiplayer games, and it is all about that kind of .io style where you can jump in anytime. There's going to be other people uh, playing, and you try to take enemies out. They're trying to take you out. As you take out enemies, they drop these little dog bones. You pick those up. Whoever has the most dog bones is currently live on the leaderboard, and it's that continuous session where you know there's five or six people on screen you take out the top person then they all scale up then when you're taken down you know you start at the bottom from zero it's that classic dot io but really in a intense action-based style where there's just constant enemies on screen there's really quick connections and then it's that familiar aerial combat game but really arcade emphasis because you have that 2d top-down setup where it's almost a dual stick shooter to control it 
though you're flying a plane, so the plane is going to, you know, bank curves rather than turn on a dime. But then you can also improve the handling and unlock all kinds of new ships as you play through the game. And I think the best part of the game is that as soon as you fire it up and you press that play button, you're pretty much playing. It's going to find a match where there's already a few people in it, and you're just right within the action of the game. So I was about ready to dismiss this game after one or two minutes because I tried to play it on my iPhone 10. It was a pain in the butt to control on the iPhone 10. I switched over to the iPad after talking to Trevor, and he's like, oh, this game is great. I'm like, really? And so then I loaded it on my iPad, and holy cow, it's so much better on the iPad. I can't imagine playing this on the phone. It just did not seem to respond to movements. It, like, it was almost impossible to move that the plane. It just felt like I was fighting against the controls. Where on the iPad, it felt much smoother. Everything was obviously bigger. You could see what you were doing. You could move around. It was so much more enjoyable on an iPad than on a phone. And I don't know, maybe if I still had my 6 Plus, maybe the bigger screen, it would have been better on that. I don't know. But for whatever reason, this was much, much better on an iPad. And I, it's all the things you've already said. I mean, as soon as you jump in, you're immediately in the in the game. You're trying to take out the, the other players. You're collecting things. And it's got that familiar IO, .io feel and it's just fun to just hop in and then just play and hopefully outlast the other players. And the there is still a little bit of that kind of oddness with the controls, but it makes sense because you are flying. And you do have to kind of, you can't turn on a dime. It's not, not going to be like immediate controls you do have to kind of spin around to get your plane back into the location you want or to curve around to scoop up that bone you can't just quickly get it if it's right next to you and it makes perfect sense it's just once I had a device that it really felt like I had control over the thing that I I started really enjoying this game yeah so that's definitely worth noting that playing on the iPhone's a lot tougher so try to play on an iPad if you have one available. And if you just like online multiplayer games, this one nails it because you can just play for a couple minutes at a time. There's no loading or waiting to connect or anything like that. And then there's the actual game has this focused arena where there's not that much space to go around. You know, if all the enemies are pretty much in tight quarters because there's only so much space to fly around. So it keeps the action constant and consistent. The only thing that I would like to be added is different maps. It's always the same map, which is a little disappointing. And then some way to connect with friends where I join my friend, let's both join a match together. That's kind of the only changes I would look for. Yeah, yeah, I definitely would like to see friend friendly matches to, to meet up with someone. You know, I thought there were a couple of different arenas that I ended up in when I was playing. I think there were a couple, but uh, it didn't seem like there were a lot of them. Maybe it just doesn't change. I guess the arena, there's the one with the oil rigs. That's the only one I came to step, kept going into. There was another one with like a jungle-ish theme. Is that the one you were thinking of? No, it was just essentially over the ocean with oil oh, rigs. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, there was another one where I think I ended up where it was like a jungle-ish, like grassy kind of theme, I think. Well, I didn't get there. 
Maybe I just so, have to play more. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, so I, that's all I have to say about uh, Thunderdogs. Yeah, it's definitely not Thundercats, which is sad, but it's, it's <laughs> Thunderdogs. It takes that dog theme. When you're killed, essentially have this little dog pilot appear in the screen, you know, your enemy that took you down with a little quote. But there's all kinds of sh- unlockable ships as well as ship upgrades. And like I said at the top, as you earn upgrades, you're going to improve handling. So at the very start, the ship might be a little bit hard to control, but that's purposefully designed where you'll have an improvement over time. Yeah, and it is by Lucky Cat Studios. So there's that. You do get cats in there somewhere. <laughs> yeah. uh, but one one last one I just wanted to very quickly mention, uh, because we've talked about a few of their other games in the past, uh, is a game called Stranger Cases, which comes from Snap snap break games which are the people responsible for the far away games if you recall those those are the ones where they're kind of like where you're walking around these temples and they were sort of pseudo puzzle point and click kind of things where you're picking up puzzle pieces and kind of like switches and cranks and things and would go and put them on boxes and other devices to unlock different sections and you basically made it through a few levels and then eventually they charged you like amount of money to unlock the rest of the levels well this stranger cases is kind of that same setup except it's kind of a detective mystery game where you're going through these levels and it's not like a a puzzle setup it's more of a classic point and click adventure setup where you're basically trying to find the exit and get out of each one of these rooms so you have to do certain things to maybe fix the doorway or get the knob on the doorway and then you'll be able to open the door and then move to the next room and in this one they give you the first eight levels for free and then you un- you can pay two ninety nine to unlock the remaining seven levels, which gives you a total of fifteen levels. And it's got a cute little cartoony style. It, there, I mean, it's fairly quick to make it through the levels. I wish there were a lot more levels, but uh, for free you can play through the eight of them and see how you like it. As you and you're basically progressing through this house as you as you go through but um it's a quick play but it's a, a fun little if you like point and click adventures uh it's definitely worth checking out so i know that far away is like a simplified version of the witness is stranger cases kind of like a simplified version of asian a yeah yeah that would probably be a good way to put it yeah these are really kind of confined simplified uh point and click levels so you there's like one or two screens each and you can pretty quickly figure out what you need to pick up use wear and do it there are a few of them there some of them you're like wonder like well where did you come up with this that's kind of a stretch there is a hint system if you really get lost i never really needed it uh but it's saying it's kind of like a simplified ancient night a is probably yeah like a perfect description because it's just really like on a smaller scale they've kind of condensed what ancient a has to offer but in this kind of more simplified way sounds good so that's stranger cases it's free it's universal and then thunderdogs was also free and universal and i think that's everything for episode 78 yep that's all i got To everyone listening, we hope you enjoyed, and we'll talk to you next time. Talk to you later.